welcome to season three of the Simply Home Moms podcast. This is a podcast for moms done by moms. So get your coffee and pull up a chair. I'm Kara. I'm Nicole. We are lifelong friends that went from being babies to raising babies. Come hang as we talk real life, real food, and meet real moms. We want you to have a simple, mindful, healthy motherhood journey, and we we are here for it. Hey there. Welcome back to the Simply Whole Moms podcast. We are rocking and rolling into season three, and this episode is one that I have been looking forward to for a long time. I got to sit down and chat with an internet friend. You know what I'm talking about, guys, those people that you meet online and you know that they're your people. (laughs) Um, Her name is Kate Osine, and she is actually based in Canada. Um, And we met over the internet uh, kind of right around the time that Kara and I uh, did raise some awareness for World Day Against Trafficking, which was July 30th. If you remember that, we did a fundraiser for Operation Underground Railroad. And I found Kate's account then and have been hooked ever since. Kate is a mom to two boys. Um, She is a former owner of a children's clothing company in Canada, which is super cool. She knows about all things digital marketing, digital content, Um, And right now she's a stay-at-home mom. She started a podcast like right before COVID hit. So she's got a couple of episodes under her belt. But we sit down today to talk about um, the importance of reading headlines, the importance of reading more than the headline, how we consume media, how we consume news, um, and also how this impacts the, um, the issue of human trafficking. So Kate has done a deep dive into all aspects of human trafficking. She is very passionate. She's very detailed. She is someone that I call a true journalist who really takes time to dig in and find the information and not sensationalize it. Both of us have noticed a trend over the past couple of months of just mass sensationalization. That's a really hard word to say. Sensationalization? (laughs) I don't even know if that's a word. In the headlines across the issue of human trafficking, attacking hashtags, attacking people's you know, the reason that they're standing up for this all of a sudden. And she does a really good job of presenting data, statistics. And one of the most important things that I want you to take away from this episode, if you don't get to listen to the whole thing, we both want to stress the importance of getting involved locally where you are. So it can seem like such a consuming issue. It is a worldwide issue. But the most important thing is to start in your homes with your kids and start in your community. So wherever you are locally to reach out to those organizations that are working to combat this issue in your area, because you will get the firsthand view of what's going on in your area versus a national headline talking about the issue. So I really hope you enjoy this episode. We talk about some heavy topics that have to do with human trafficking, sex trafficking, nothing graphic, but if you're sensitive to that, just know ahead of time. I encourage you to go follow Kate on social media to look at things with a critical eye and start asking questions and dig into these areas and start locally where you're at. It is my pleasure to introduce to you Kate Osine. Hi, Kate. Welcome to the Simply Whole Moms podcast. How are you doing today? I'm so good. Thank you for having me. Well, I am incredibly excited because I have been fangirling over your account on Instagram I don't know, since it's been a couple of months now at this point. Um, And that's one of the reasons I have like a love-hate relationship with social media. You can either find some of the most amazing people 
or get lost in the comment section and just totally discouraged by um, the different rhetoric that's going on. But I found your account uh, kind of around the time that we were talking about World Day Against Trafficking, I guess July, July 30th right. is when it was. Um, mm -hmm. And so could you, I've given people a little bit of an intro to who you are, but in your own words, could you tell everybody who you are and what you do day to day? Amazing. So I'm Kate, like she said, and I am a stay-at-home mom, but I also work within digital marketing and I help small businesses uh, grow their businesses just within social media. Uh, I also um, coach social media and those things, but uh, recently just with the platform that I have and the knowledge that I have within digital marketing and SEO, I have kind of always been into finding the truth or navigating the truth. And I've always found that kind of difficult, but with my knowledge within digital marketing, just within the media and the headlines and such, I've kind of learned to decode those and see mm -hmm. what the articles are actually about. And it's not just about the headline um, and what is kind of within the article is what's important. Um, and I guess within human trafficking, how I kind of got into that is I used to own a children's apparel company and we used to focus on ethical materials, um, having our products made ethically. And so that always kind of fell into us talking about how um, labor uh, within trafficking of children at times can they are making products whether you right. believe it or not right. um, but also not just children uh, women men as well um, so it's always something that's been in the back of my mind and that I've known about and we I used to talk about uh, when I did own a children's apparel company um, and then I guess when COVID hit is when I really dove into learning about sex trafficking and the different types of human trafficking, because there are different kinds. And I, I mean, I'm a little bit of a, I was a little ashamed of myself that I didn't know more about sex trafficking and human trafficking at that point, even though it's something that I did know about, I never really looked into it deep enough. So uh, just learning the different uh, statistics and that it's a $150 billion industry and, you know, uh, 40 million people are in the cycle of trafficking. Those are huge numbers yeah. that, you know, aren't talked about. So uh, once I kind of dug into that, I thought, you know, I have this platform and, you know, what am I doing? Like, I I don't want to just use my platform for nothing. So I decided to kind of take the reins and, you know, start posting uh, different statistics about human trafficking. And then I started to work with a few different organizations just to help get the word out within uh, the city that I live in. I'm from Canada, by the way. <laughs> I live in Calgary, yes. Alberta. So um, I started You're to work with different... You're our first Canadian guest. Oh my gosh, that's I exciting. <laughs> <laughs> so I uh, started to work with a few different organizations just to get the word out. And we're starting to see some fundraisers happening for them now. And yeah, I just kind of wanted to bring awareness to this topic and, you know, make more people aware because I didn't know a lot of this existed. So just by me putting things out into the universe and sharing different things, I think that a lot of people have... Uh, realize that this in itself is an epidemic and it's something that needs to be talked about more. Definitely. I, I joke about this, but I think it's so true 
having COVID lockdown time at home without social activities has turned me into an avid researcher. Like oh, yeah. I, I used to, I, I wanted to be in broadcast journalism at one point in my life. And I like was co-editor of our high school newspaper and I loved digging for information. And then somewhere along the way, there's kids and, you know, just that whole season of early motherhood where you're walking around not remembering if you brushed your teeth, you know, <laughs> today. And yeah. then I feel like COVID hit and we we're forced to be at home. And I'm like, shoot, I'm going to start reading more and paying attention more. And, you know, my right. mom used to tell me stuff about the news and I'd be like, yeah, I, I have zero capacity to handle that right now. And mm-hmm. now I feel like it's all I want to do is read headlines and decode them, like you're saying, and dig right. into stories. And um, I joke about it, but COVID like woke me back up, I guess, um, to that sort of uh, cons- con- you know consuming content that way, I guess. So right, yeah, it's um, interesting how a lot of people have you know said that this was like the worst thing that could ever happen to their lives. But I've tried to try to sort of turn that around to, you know, like, I think a lot of people have, like you said, woken up and kind of realized what is happening and to look into things more instead of just being fed that narrative. Right. So. Right. Right. Well, and before we get into the trafficking stuff, you are really good. I told you this before we started recording, but you like take the words from my brain and put them onto an Instagram (laughs) slide. As far as it comes to media consumption, because I feel like there's so many keywords and, you know, people say MSM for mainstream media. Oh, if you say that you're a conspiracy theorist or how uh, one of my favorite posts you've ever done is that headlines matter. And you also showed some statistics on a story about how most people don't read past the first, what, like two paragraphs of any given article. So could you kind of just give people who haven't seen those posts on Instagram a summary of what that means for how we consume media? So... I think it was about a year ago, I came across a article written by Slate. Uh, It was actually from 2013. And it had to do with um, why people don't read to the end of an article. And they had Chartbeat do an analysis on reader behavior in real time. And they realized that, you know, by the first or second paragraph, people were dipping out and not finishing the entire entire article and if you've ever realized when you go to like a website that has an article that you've clicked on the share button for facebook twitter instagram all of those things are literally right below the headline so you're so right so i found that quite interesting that that was right below the headline when you know they obviously journalists know how to write a headline that's like part of their job and the keywords that they're using in the article they're going to stuff that into a headline right so So someone who might not know about keywords how is that important because you you know all about seo social media how does that factor into a headline right so just within seo and keywords and headlines that all has to do with your uh rating on google so um if you are writing headlines that have multiple different long-term long tail keywords i'm sorry and they're you know keywords that are being talked about in the media especially like for right now one of the biggest keywords is conspiracy theory Uh (laughs) and every single uh news platform is using that word and putting it into their headline so they know that anything that they uh, 
associate conspiracy theory with, people are going to not believe it. So um, talking about saving the children, that hashtag, talking about how um, human trafficking is a right-wing conspiracy theory. So they're... They, yeah, they're... <laughs> I, I call it uh, keyword clickbait, basically, is uh, what a lot of these journalists are doing. And I, I just... Yeah, they're... <laughs> They're good at what they do in that right. sense of like getting people to believe a headline. But other than that, I just feel like it's so important to read the entire article before, you know, clicking share or just screenshotting uh, the headline right? Uh, without so any true. sort of context as to what the article is actually about. Because you can read a headline and the article has barely anything to do with the headline. So, so yeah. true. Well, and by the end, some of these articles that I've read, like from Rolling Stone and I don't know. They they're long. They're so long that so like, long. Who's reading to the end of it? And then my whole thing that I want to get across to people is like, so read different sources because it's like right. they might all have similar headlines, but the way that they're worded, you might come away with a completely different conclusion right. uh, from different sources. So I I feel like we've lost a lot of critical thinking in the age of share and screenshot and fact checkers. And I feel like people are letting headlines think for themselves or think for for them. Um, (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I don't know as a mom, because you have kids, how, like, how do you prioritize like digging into media? Because I have some friends and I feel like this sometimes too. It's like, it's just too much. Like, I can't, I don't have time to go and dig into all of these stories. So how do you handle that? (laughs) <laughs> well uh lack of sleep for sure <laughs> i uh i actually have really bad insomnia and i've actually been like that for a long time i think ever since i actually had my own kids is when i started to just you know live off of a couple hours of sleep and i've continued that for the past 10 years yeah yeah which is terrible but um prioritizing um i mean I'm quite diligent and I'm quick. I think that's uh, something that I have that makes it easier for me to kind of uh, look through the different articles. And I know that, you know, a lot of this is owned by six different corporations, the media, right? So that's important. But see, I think people think that's not true. You know, like that's one of those things you tell people, they're like, oh, no. (laughs) Yeah, it used to be 50 and now it's six different corporations. So um, that we know of anyway. Um, So yeah, I definitely put that into, you know, like factor that in. And then I also use something called, um, all sides bias. So I'll, uh, obviously by now I'm kind of familiar with what side these, uh, you know, distributors of the news are, whether they're left, right, center. Um, and then they actually give them a rating on how, um, biased they actually are. So that's quite interesting. So I use that. Is that a website or an app? Yeah. It's just a website. You can type in. Basically, what I would do is I would go New York Post, all sides bias, and then it'll tell you basically like, yeah, they're um, left leaning okay. or super left. <laughs> right, right. On the so, scale. So I use those different things. Um, I just prioritize, I guess. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just that type of personality where I can't really let a lot of things go. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. I will dig and dig and dig and dig until I figure it out. Like, 
there was a story that came out yesterday, an 87 page document. And, you know, I read through the entire thing. And one of the biggest things that stuck out in headlines, I couldn't find a source for. So, I mean, and I dug and dug. I probably spent like at least four hours on that yesterday. And then I had a friend also look into it and she couldn't find anything that actually gave a legitimate source. But so, yeah, yeah, it's it's tough. It's a lot of work, but it's I'm super passionate about it. So I think. Well, and I feel like the danger in like this and like reading and living by the headlines is that then we take those and form like our worldview and our opinions based off of something we haven't even really researched. Into. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Which is really hard. And it's hard. Like I said earlier, social media is such a double-edged sword. It's like you can sit and dig, but you can also sit at a surface-level argument and people are just spewing talking points. And right. it's like that's not the that's not the whole story. So I've really seen it happen with the, the Save the Children movement. Like I right. – it's kind of bizarre. We were aware that July 30th was World Day Against Trafficking, so we decided to use our platform to raise awareness for that day. And right. we made a shirt that was a fundraiser. I'm wearing it today. It's got a hashtag on it. So save the children. Well, now mm-hmm. that hashtag within a matter of months, weeks, has been like smeared through the headlines and associated with conspiracy theories and like all kinds of things. And I'm like, how did that happen in a matter of weeks? Like, right. you know, we went from raising awareness to now we're uh, alt-right-wing conspiracy theory trying to ignore other big issues in the world. And it's like, what? Like, how did that happen? <laughs> yeah, so, that was a quick switch for sure. It's pretty crazy. So to to kind of, I don't like this word, but debunk all of the like crazy around trafficking, like those stats you were sharing earlier about $150 billion and 40 million people, like that's not sensationalized and it's not fake. But no. like how – what is the best way for someone who is new to this to like find information and dig in and like kind of pick a lane, I guess, because there's so many different ways that you can approach this topic. Right. Um, I definitely think when I did start to learn about this, I couldn't find a reliable statistic actually. Right. Um, just based because I'm in Canada and – Obviously, the statistics within the United States are far worse than in Canada. Um, And so I was just trying to navigate those different statistics. And so I thought, you know, if I'm going to be, you know, using my platform to talk about these matters and talk about them in a way that doesn't sensationalize the issue, I'm going to reach out to local organizations and see if they will, you know, sit down with me and have a conversation about um, what is happening and to what lengths. And um, so I reached out to two different um, organizations within Calgary and they actually were more than happy to have a conversation with me and, you know, kind of give me those numbers and articles. They sent me resources and the $150 billion industry I saw floating around, but I wasn't necessarily convinced by it because I was like that's insane and they they actually confirmed that with me and that's actually a statistic from 2018 I believe so that's that's growing um so I think that's the best way to do it is that if you're going to be talking about these topics and you know sharing these things and not creating sensational sensationalism around them then you should 
you know, reach out to someone that aligns with you and, you know, can give you that information so that when you're presenting it to the world, you know, you're not going to be called a conspiracy theory, even though I still am called that all the time. It you know, my and, mind. Yeah. Well, and so, I even have people who think, because I, I preface a lot of stuff I share with like, she lives in Canada. She's not voting in our election. Like this has nothing to do with our election. Right. I think in America right now, anything is just politicized. Like people are politicizing right. masks. People are politicizing uh, human trafficking. People are politicizing headlights. It's just, it's insane. So it's like, I feel like you're... I, I call you my one true journalist that I know because I think That's you so do. Nice. No, but it's true. Like, I don't know. I just, the fact that people can still come to your page and what that says to me is that means they haven't read everything. So right. they've come with their opinion to see what's there and they're going to read into it what they want to. But I, it is crazy to me how quickly we're dismissing things that are actually happening around us as conspiracy because- I don't know, because we read it in a headline. It's crazy right. to me. Um, anyway, I it's it's a journey. I feel like like I'm thankful that I'm on it. And it's funny you mentioned ethical fashion, because that's kind of how I got started interested in this whole topic. I had some friends talk to me about like, oh, well, do you know where your clothes came from? I was like, what? Like, I don't, <laughs> I've never <laughs> thought about that in my life. Um, right. And then I kind of went down that rabbit hole and understood, whoa, like forced labor um, mm -hmm. poor working conditions, no fair wage, and how it affects so many different industries from textiles to food to right. anything. Um, and then, like I said, I got lost in the mom baby fog and am now starting to pay more attention again and realizing that like, it just affects like every aspect of life. And I think I mentioned this too, Kara wanted it to be like tangible for moms. And so I feel like I've kind of broken it down into like there's like preventative measures for trafficking. So like things mm -hmm. you can do at home or like you're saying in your community. And right. then like there's the people that go in and do rescue missions like Tim Ballard or other people that we don't know about. And then there's right. aftercare who mm -hmm. are working to like, you know, put people back into society who've endured this like insane trauma. Because you mentioned earlier it's a cycle. Right. So what does that mean for someone who's never heard that before? Well, a cycle. Yeah. It takes, uh, you know, women or men or teens at least up to five, five different times of being trafficked to actually get out of it. Uh, which is so heartbreaking. Um, and a lot of the time it starts when these people are young, whether that be they're sexually abused as a child or as a teen. And then they kind of feel like, you know, they, they'll get into prostitution, but it's not necessarily what they want to be doing, but they just feel like, you know, this is, um, this is all I'm good for, or I'm, I'm, I was, I did this or this happened to me. So, um, why, why don't I just do that? And so it's, yeah, it, it, there's so many different ways to look at it and not every story is the same. And a lot of times we think, oh, well, these children that are trafficked, like they're kidnapped, and right, that's not right. necessarily the case. Um, a lot of times these people that are trafficking these children or youth are people that they know, whether that be a family member, a friend, their parents, uh, their uncle, um, all of those different things. So I uh, 
I definitely think, like you said about the aftercare, that's something that a lot of these organizations and I think the government really needs to put focus on because what was the statistic that I oh, had? Oh, you talked about beds, available right. beds in Canada, right? right? Yeah, in Alberta, this is Alberta. The, the province that I live in. There's only 11 beds for exploited youth. Wow. 11, which is insane. Um, and there was there's a st- statistic that I read that only 1% of survivors are identified, actually, and 87% of those were in contact with healthcare. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah, it's, it's hard to identify as it is because I think sometimes we're looking at the wrong things, you know, we're not looking necessarily at how, like if I go to an Instagram page of a teen and I, I know right away, you know, they're vulnerable and these people or these perpetrators, if it's not a family member, they're targeting these youth because they know that they're vulnerable. So there's so many ways to look at it, whether it be, you know, this is happening over social media on these different apps, video games, it's happening within your family. You've grown up being trafficked. Like there's, it's not ever going to be the same, but I think that we have to realize that within that sensationalism topic is that we have to make it known that, you know, it's not being tied up. Um, It's not being forced into a cage, like those sorts of things. You know, I think you see a lot of these pictures that people are like girls tied with their, or their arms tied with rope. And it's like, that's not always necessarily the case. Like, I mean, I'm sure that that probably does happen, but if you listen to the survivors uh, or, um, victims that have you know fallen into this you know that you know it's not necessarily that case it's they're groomed like so yeah it's uh it's tough I just I I just wish that I could fix it and change the world and (laughs) I know my husband always asks me he's like what are you doing and I'm like oh I'm just trying to figure out how to save the world over on Instagram (laughs) like it's right but it's true it feels like such a daunting issue, especially when you have young children. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I got to watch one of the lives you did. I don't remember the girl's name that you were talking to. She was wearing uh, it a was, hat. It was Bree and she works Bree. for an organization yeah. in uh, Alberta. Yeah. And hearing her stories and just like her talking about how like a lot of this stuff happens at the mall and like, right. you know, things that I think the way that, you know, the headlines have been used lately when it is sensationalized, people then just write it off as crazy. So right. then they're missing the stuff that's happening right in their community. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's where, you know, as moms, like when you're saying, I wish we could fix it. I guess the place we have to start is local um, and in our homes and mm-hmm. paying attention. Cause we had, boy, I had TikTok on my phone for a hot minute and we had yeah. fun with it, mm-hmm. but it got dark real fast. Like real, real fast. Yeah. It. We made some fun videos, and I'd let my six-year-old swipe. And one time, I was letting her swipe. I was in the room, and I heard something, and I was like, "Okay, we're not doing this anymore. <laughs> this is like there's no filter, and no, it's a scary way to just like I don't know seep into our day to day. And I don't know. I think starting at home with our kids and our community is where to go first, even though I want to save the world, like you said. <laughs> right. No, exactly. I, uh, it's it, my conversations have changed for sure. Like I have a 10 year old and a seven year old. I feel like 
my seven-year-old's just within context. I have to, you know, it's, it's harder for him to understand, but my 10-year-old definitely has a, you know, he's, he's able to process the information that I give to him. But yeah, she made a, Brie made a interesting point on that live that, you know, because at first I'm like, my kids can't have devices. My kids can't right. have social media, right? That's how but, I feel. <laughs> right. But then she's like, but I think it's important that we teach them how to use it responsibly mm-hmm. and teach them about the things that are actually happening on these apps. And, you know, it's about their safety. And because if we don't and they're handed a phone, she said that she had a client who was 23 years old and she never had a phone or social media until she was 19. And, you know, she was posting things that were inappropriate for a 23 year old so um we can shelter them but at the same time i think it's super important for us to educate them on these uh different things because i was i was that parent that was like here here's a device you're oh, me busy. too go oh, watch yeah. youtube go do this and then i'm like um where did you learn that from or yeah. oh my god or i see it happening with my own two eyes on these apps like tiktok for example that's it's a disaster on there. Like I know people think it happens on all social media apps, which it does, but I feel like TikTok is its own entity of just, you know, it's so bad. Like, Oh my gosh. Well, cause there really (laughs) is no filter. I tried to set restrictions on like, cause you know, on Instagram, like I've let my daughter, she loves Jojo Siwa. So like, Mm -hmm. we'll look at her Instagram account, but I'm only following a certain set of people. So I know random stuff's not just going to pop up. Right. And the stuff that just would pop up on TikTok, I was like, there's no filter. You don't get to pick who shows up on your feed. Like, this is so random. It's so Um, dangerous. But that's a really, really good point of teaching them to use it responsibly. Because I think, like, our generation, we, we knew, I don't know, I shared a cell phone with my mom in high school. And it was not a smartphone. Mm -hmm. And, but then I went through college with like smart-ish phones and young adult life. And I think we've seen kind of both sides of this where it was like, I grew up without that Mm -hmm. and also with that. And I feel like I have the tendency to want to, like you said, just rip it all away and be like, Mm -hmm. nope, none of us are going to go live, you know, out in the middle of nowhere. (laughs) Off grid. (laughs) Off grid. I've said that a million times in the past month. We're going off grid. Um, And then I still hand my kids Roblox and they love to play on their iPad. So I think you're right. I think it's a healthy balance of teaching them because I even need reminders on how to use Instagram in a healthy manner. Um, Right. Because it can get super overwhelming um, sometimes. For sure. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, you can make it as positive as you want it, even though, I mean, some of the topics that I talk about aren't always the most positive. Um, But I try to, you know, bring awareness to things in hopes that there's prevention. So we do see more positive things. things happen after that so yeah it's it's a tough it's a tough call but I've def- definitely learned just like within the past couple months and talking to you know different organizations like talk to your kids like if you if you're handing your child the, a device you should be talking to them about all of these different topics because like the porn industry like any child can basically google anything and it's gonna show up Basically, these these smartphones are like little porn boxes that we're putting totally. in their pockets. And we're not talking to – we don't think that, um, you know, our child is going to, you know, look at that. I actually watched this clip and it said, imagine having four magazines on a table 
And one of those is a porn magazine. That's basically what the internet is. And we're just hoping that our kids oh. don't stumble across porn. Oh, I just got goosebumps. Oh, that's yeah. so true. Right? Well, I kind of, until my kids got older, so we've interviewed, I think I've sent you their stuff before. Um, their names are Megan and Mary Flo. They're, they're called Birds and the Bees. And mm-hmm. they teach, they basically try to get parents to ditch like the sex talk. And basically from the get-go teach anatomically correct body parts because I guess that's right. one of the things they see with abused children is that they mm-hmm. were taught like silly words for their body parts. Right. And, yep. you know, um, and so when they first, they brought up porn first and I had, you know, like a two-year-old and a four-year-old, I was like, oh, well, we don't need to worry <laughs> about that. Like, right. okay. And yeah. then the more, you know, the older they're getting and I hear stuff like this and I watch them on TikTok, I'm like, okay. That is so true. We are just waiting for an exposure. I mean, actually, one of my kids, she clicked on Netflix on her iPad like two years ago and happened to get onto like my account. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm in the room. Like I'm right. not I'm not letting them just like gallivant in their room with the iPad. And she clicked on a show that was like straight up like a sex scene. And I was like, okay. Like I've, and I felt like I was so in control of what was going on on the iPad and we're not, and you're so right. right. Um, so yeah, I think the awareness, all the stuff you've posted about the porn industry. I mean, I didn't even have those thoughts in my head about that as being a part of the trafficking puzzle at all. Mm -hmm. So, um, that's a huge piece of this too. That's the marketing department for sex trafficking, for sure. And a lot of people, you know, I've had a lot of people disagree with me, which is fine. Sure. Um, But I think that we can't dismiss that. Right. (laughs) You know, when there is a link and, you know, if you're speaking to these different organizations, they're like, yeah, um, you know, half of the people that I work with, uh, they were filmed during while they were exploited. So, right, um, right. Yeah, it's super important to just not write that completely off and say, that doesn't happen. (laughs) Well, that's what I appreciate about you in general is that you are good about being like, we can't dismiss this. Like you don't just do these broad stroke like statements. You are very in tune with critical thinking and asking questions and discussing a topic versus just like, no, that's not part of it. We're going to what is it? Right. Cancel that? I don't. I can't handle that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> can't cancel culture. Don't cancel it. <laughs> so um, anyway, I appreciate that one hundred percent, and um, I've tried to point as many people as I can to your page because I think you're doing really hard work and really. I I appreciate you, and I feel like a lot of times the people that appreciate you the most are the quietest. But mm-hmm. the people that disagree the most are <laughs> yeah. the loudest. Right, so exactly. Just know there's a lot of people that appreciate what you're doing. <laughs> no, I appreciate it so much. And I appreciate your support um, just over the past few months. And I, I just appreciate our, our conversations as well. It actually helps in a sense of me, you know, getting away from the hard topics at times because you know, my, I feel like I need like 20 different brains to hold all this information and still like be level-headed and not want to crumble into a ball and totally cry all day. So I appreciate you as well. And just the conversations that we've had and reasonable adult conversations. Respectful. Oh, isn't that a thing? Man, Mm -hmm. (laughs) we need more of that. Exactly. For sure. For sure. Well, I don't want to stop our conversation, but I'm going to ask you our closing question Um, And maybe we can have you back too and we can dive more into like some of the nitty gritty of trafficking itself. But our closing question for this season, this is what we ask everybody. What Mm -hmm. is something 
that 2020 has taught you about motherhood? Something that 2020 has taught me about motherhood, uh, to talk to your kids, to communicate with them more. Don't just think that, you know, they know what's going on or that we expect them to know what to do in these situations, especially within child abuse. Um, yeah, definitely just communication. That's obviously it's something that I've always thought about, but definitely in 2020, just like knowing what's going on, whether that be within COVID or the media or all of those different things. It's like, have these conversations with your kids. Don't be scared to have these conversations with your kids because, Sure enough, they're going to be like open to having these conversations. And I just, it's, yeah, it's really important to keep the lines of communication open. So that's definitely something that 2020 has brought me is like, don't, I don't just think that my kids, you know, don't know about this. Cause sure enough, I've talked to my son about a few things and he's, he knows what it is. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> well, I guess I should have asked you that Whoops. before. <laughs> yeah. So that's definitely what I would say is just communication is something. That's good. That's really good. Yeah. Well, where can everybody find you on the interwebs? Where's the best the place interwebs. to find you? <laughs> so um, my Instagram is, the handle is Kate J. Osine, Um, And I have a link in my bio there that kind of directs you to my website or to the human trafficking resources that I've kind of put together. So that's definitely the place to find me is on Instagram. That's where I'm hip hop happening. <laughs> well, and you have a podcast. So tell them about that too. I do have a podcast. Yeah. So I actually started that in February and due to COVID, I only had a few episodes done. Um, but that podcast is called Girl Go Cry in Your Closet. Uh, I, I only that. have about five or six episodes. Um, I'm hoping to get back on the horse and, you know, record more in the next couple months. Um, but yeah, just trying to figure out how to balance all that with advocacy within human trafficking as well. So I'm hoping to kind of get more guests that are going to be talking about these topics, whether they be working for an organization, um, some survivors, those sorts of things. And yeah, that's where you can find them. Well, I will be (laughs) tuning into that for sure. (laughs) Thank you, Nicole. I appreciate you having me today. Yes. And thank you for your hard work and for, I don't know, just pushing. I feel like just a sense of like, community when I come to your page of like, okay, we're here to like critically think together and I don't feel ever judged in your space. And I just really appreciate it and everything that Aww. you do. So that's all I want. That's all I want. So I'm glad that you feel that way. <laughs> I do. Well, thanks again. And hopefully we can talk again soon. Amazing. Sounds great. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and leave us a review so other moms like you can find us. You can find our blog at simplywholemoms.com and we are all over the internet on Pinterest, Instagram, and Facebook as Simply Home Moms. We'll be here next Thursday.